before you do, Christmas Eve, after the service, we will, some of us will be going to go sing carols at the Veterans Home. And uh, it's a great time. So if you have time, I know some of you have family activities going, and that's fine. But if you want to join us, uh, talk to Vanessa or Chuck Crawford. They are the ones that set it up, and they can give you a little more information on that. Here you go, Linnea. Thank you. All right. So um, I, Dad talked to me, it's been about four or five weeks ago now, I think, about his plans for what he wanted to do in December and wanting to have some other voices up here and bringing the message and um, to give a couple of other people in our congregation a chance to lead and to um, see if that's the right fit. And so um, I was informed that there was a coffee date between the the others who preached and they got to pick what they were going to preach on and then uh, later on, I got told, oh, this is what you're preaching on. <laughs> so, um, But I, I, I really do think that was the Holy Spirit, um, because um, I, I do think God has a sense of humor, <laughs> um, because there was definitely some irony um, throughout the last two weeks as I prepared for this sermon. Um, I... As most of you know, I finished nursing school last week, um, and so I had been preparing for finals, and I had all these extra classes, and um, I've been working, and so um, when he told me that I was preaching on finding peace and not being hurried, <laughs> I laughed, <laughs> um, because I... Um, this particular season for me has not been that way at all. <laughs> Um, but it ended up being a huge blessing for me. Um, and then coupled with, I started this week with the same respiratory cred that he's had, so I ended up missing work, and I had several days to sit at home and be quiet because I couldn't talk, and so um, it was a great opportunity to um, sit and actually practice what I talked to you about today. Um, So I'm thankful for that opportunity. Um, What I'm speaking about this morning um, definitely falls under what we consider spiritual discipline. Um, I... When I use that phrase, when I remember learning that phrase when I was younger, um, the word discipline, when you're a kid, does not sound fun. (laughs) Um, It may bring up pictures in your head of um, sitting in the corner or a hand where on your back end and it hurts. (laughs) Um, And so as a coming into adulthood and learning about spiritual disciplines, um, it's taken me several years of of reading and learning and taking in new information to sort of undo the the connection there in my head. Um, but today I want to talk about the beauty of spiritual discipline that I've come to find. Um, so I'm going to start with a passage from John. Um, John chapter 1, verse 1 through um, 18. And I actually, I might... Um, I had planned to read this in the message, um, 
is it possible to bring that up? I may, if, um, if someone has a cell phone, <laughs> I might. Oh, <laughs> I'll wait just a second. Um, typically, in preaching circles, um, you don't usually preach from the message. <laughs> Um, that version is a more recent version that we have that uh, some people who have studied the Bible don't always consider um, to be as accurate. Um, but I was very intentional about choosing it from that version. Yeah, that would be great. Um, thank you. Um, because the Bible is a story. Um, it is reading, it is learning the story of God. And before we had the Bible written down, it was almost completely oral. Um, the stories were, were handed down um, from, from, you know, your grandfather who had studied it from his grandfather. And so with the development of that over time, the story changes. And so um, the I like reading from the message when I'm seeking to have time with God where I am not necessarily learning or taking in new information, but I am taking time to be, to, to just sit and be with Christ and to learn the story. And so sometimes I think hearing the story um, in language that we're not as used to um, brings new meaning. Um, it locked. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, so I'll read it for you, and then um, if you, you want, you can read it in your own translation if you prefer. All right. The Word was first, the Word present to God, God present to the Word. The Word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without him. What came into existence was life, the life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. There once was a man, his name was John, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. <clears throat> The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. These are the God-begotten. Not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, This is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. 
He has always been ahead of me, has always had the first word. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, and then this, this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse, this one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. So this time of year, typically, we're running around shopping, um, trying to get everything done at work so that we can take the time off to be with our family, um, making sure the kids get the stuff that they need at school, and um, I'm sure you've probably heard a sermon at some point about um, this time of year being busy and how we as Christians need to show that that, that is not who we are or what we're about. Um, but we are also human, and we are always... Um, that is still a part of who we are, as much as we want to try and um, look different. Um, but we always have the opportunity, um, in the midst of that busyness, to maybe not do something that others can see right away, but we can do something that changes us from the inside. Um, so I would encourage you this week, um, if you have an opportunity, to try and practice what I talked to you about t- today. Um, we start with silence. Um, There is a quote by one of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, um, where he says, silence is the furnace of transformation. So hearing silence, and at this time of year, um, and other times of the year, sometimes when you hear, when someone tells you, oh, you just need to be quiet, you just need to sit and be quiet with God, um, that can be scary. That's scary. Um, when you finally do sit down and you go, okay, I'm, it's just me, it's just me, God, I'm right here, all of a sudden the wheels in your head start turning. And you start, you may go through the practical things that you need to do, and then you may realize, well, I'm not going to get all of that done. I'm not going to get that done. I'm not going to talk to, be able to talk to that person the way I want to um, while I go visit family. And then you might start to go through, maybe you take a turn and you go, well, I'm, if I can't do this, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to keep um, this spirit that I want, that I know God can hap- create in me. Um, and so we begin to see our true self. It illuminates our true self, which... Um, so on one hand, we're seeing the good, but we're also seeing the bad. Um, but then, um, if you give it enough time, <laughs> that's the key, if you give it enough time and you sit in that silence, eventually, all of those things that go through your head, they just kind of start to fall to the ground. And then you're left with space. A couple of years ago, um, I, while I was at college, I was really struggling with anxiety, and I 
wasn't sure what was going to be next. I'd had some friendships that ended, and I was very lonely and wasn't had no way to cope with the anxiety and a little bit of depression that I was experiencing. Um, and I came across a blog post um, by an author, Kelly Orbine, um, and she, in her post, she used scripture from... Um, I believe it's from Psalms, um, where it talks about the Lord bringing you into a spacious place. Um, and so in her blog post, she coupled that, that passage um, with using uh, coping techniques that you might learn in counseling, um, where you envision a space that's open and that's safe for you. Um, so... As I read through the article, for me, that looked like um, being on a beach um, and sitting in the sand and watching the waves and being able to see the whole expanse of the sky, to see the whole expanse of the sky and the whole expanse of the ocean and the color that was there. Um, And so as you read through the article, she takes you through the practice of Um, learning to focus on the expanse rather than the individual pieces. So you're not focusing on all the little crabs that are running in front of you, and you're not focusing on each individual cloud. You're, You're focusing on the broad picture. And then she says, now imagine that every piece of brokenness in you, every frustration, every heartbreak, every... Um, every little piece of anger that you can just file each piece in this view, this wide view. And so as you go through and file each one, you realize, okay, all of this stuff that I'm dealing with right now, that I'm thinking about right now, it might fit over here in this view of my, of the beach. So All I filled was this palm tree over here. But I still have all of this wide open space over here. I can still focus on the water over here and know that there's room for what I'm struggling with over in that palm tree. Um, So that leads you to opportunity. All of that other space out here is opportunity. When you can file away those things that are frustrating, that you don't like about yourself, it creates a break in how you've been seeing yourself and how you've been seeing God, and it allows you to take a new step. Um, Next, I'm going to go through sort of three phases That was sort of phase one, starting with your head and going through what's in your head and allowing the dust to settle. Um, And then I'm going to go on to um, having a chat with your heart. (laughs) Um, When your head chats with your heart. Sorry, I said that wrong. A heart-to-head chat. (laughs) Um, I... uh, About a year ago, I went through a period of time where I was studying um, the writing of some, uh, I got to think about this for a second, 
I believe they were Roman Catholic um, from Russia. Um, there were a group of people several hundreds of years ago that came together um, and were called the Pustinia. Um, and they derived a lot of their practices from um, what we call the Desert Fathers, um, a group of uh, people who um, learned that this practice of seeking silence um, was crucial to their walk with Christ. And so they, to- they sort of took an um, extreme view of this and so they developed their practice around it. And so literally they, would, they had um, guidelines for it where you took a loaf of bread and some water and the clothes that you were wearing, the shoes that you had on, and you just started walking. So you may have a general idea of where you're going, but you're, you're seeking that desert, you're seeking silence and um, isolation from other people um, to fully break down... Um, yourself until you find God. Um, the, the, the technical term that they used was kenosis, the self-emptying so that God can fill you. Um, and so they, they took it to this huge extreme um, that I don't recommend because you might end up with some social anxiety later when you come back to people. And um, in our day and age, it's just not very practical. <laughs> um, but there are definitely things that you can glean from their their journey with Christ and what that looks like for them. Um, and so um, another nugget of information from one of my favorite authors, Henry Nowen, is the phrase of moving your head down into your heart. So when you've entered that period of silence, um, you're not necessarily taking your intellect and dampening it and going, okay, I just can't, you know, I can't think about this logically. I've just got to let it be. You're just quieting your intellect um, and allowing your heart to dwell on what God wants you to know. Um, it, it becomes an act of meditation, and it, it makes space for us to nurture our intellect Um, So you may step away from what you've been thinking about, that problem that you've been trying to solve, um, and letting your heart dwell on the problem, um, and letting God be there and saturate that problem. And then the last phase um, is remembrance. Um, When we come together on Sundays and we have our time of communion together, um, we say, um, the leader says the words, do this in remembrance of me. Um, and that, that drives our process of forgiveness. Um, when we remember what we've done, um, and we remember what God has done to save us, um, and we remember that God has the ability to take that away from us and to free us from that. Um, and so I, when I, when I go through this period of time where I'm seeking silence and I've, um, all of the dust has settled and 
I've sat and I've maybe used a piece of scripture that I've, I've repeated over and over to sort of bring a rhythm to that silence for myself. Um, if there's a particular reason why then there, if I'm struggling with something in particular, I, I try to look at my humanity in the situation and God's humanity in the situation and then God's divinity um, and then how I also partake in that divinity because I am God's child. And then I end by focusing on how I am here, I am existing, and God is also here. He's existing in me. Um, Sometimes going through this practice, um, I get to the end and I, you know, I may have heard God's words or I, I may finally have that peace that settles over me as I'm able to um, sort of hand over to him what I've been struggling with or um, he's given me words of wisdom to use in that situation. And other times... I come out of it and I'm like, I still don't know what's going on. I'm still confused. Um, But the beauty of it is, I just spent that time with God. So even though it didn't happen right now, I still showed up. I still did it. And then I have the opportunity to come back and do it again. So maybe it didn't happen this time, but maybe next time. And so then we, we move on to forming a habit. Um, forming this habit is really the key. Um, When you can move from just, oh, I did this Friday afternoon, and then, oh, a month later, I haven't spent some time alone and quiet. Um, Developing that habit can help bring... um, It helps you to see yourself in relation to God and in relation to others. Um, And even when you're not figuring out a problem, you've spent that time with God, and over time, um, you're developing that relationship. You're deepening your prayer life. Um, So that silence itself can just be... um, That is prayer, too. Um, That is one of the biggest things that I've learned... And that has changed my prayer life, is that when, you, when you're focusing on God, you're not necessarily speaking, but you're taking the time to be with Him. Um, and then you get the added bonus, a lot of the time, where it can lower your anxiety. Um, if, you, if you're focusing on your breath, um, this is more of a meditation thing, so it might sound kind of weird, um, to sit and pray and also like count your breaths, like, <laughs> um, but it's it can be transformative if you give it a chance. Um, when I was in marching band in high school, we had to do uh, breathing exercises and um, to warm up before our practice, and so we'd all stand in our semicircle shape and our. Um, drum major would uh, hit the cowbell to give us time. And so we'd go one, two, 
three, four. And then we breathe along with the counting, breathing in and breathing out, breathing in and breathing out. And sometimes it'd be four counts, and then you hold it for four counts, and then you breathe out for four counts. Um, And then as the year went on, we got closer to eight counts. So you breathe in for eight, you breathe, you hold it for eight, and then you breathe out for eight. And it was always interesting to see how at the beginning of the semester, you know, you can, you can just barely breathe in for two counts, but by the end of the semester, you can sit and hold your breath for eight counts and it, and it doesn't bother you. Um, and so having that time of silence is sort of the same thing. It's like working a muscle. You've got to work with it and you've got to practice. Um, and then eventually that discipline it's not hard anymore. Um, And it moves you from um, a place of, oh, I just have to do this, to I want to do this. And I want to have that time alone with God. And so this week, as we head into Christmas, um, and we think about the Christ child, I want us to to ponder these three things. Um, to ponder the mystery of God choosing to come as a baby. I know several of you have experienced childbirth in here. Um, When you go through that process, it's messy and it's scary. There's a lot of risk involved. Um, And yet, that's how God chose to come into the world. Um, He chose to come through what we would know, what we would experience, what we would struggle with. Um, And so there's a lot of, there's some mystery there of why, you know, if God could have come in in all of his power and stepped down in and just shown up and gone, okay, here, I'm God. Um, But he didn't. He chose to relate to us and to come through a way that we would understand and that we um, would seek. Um, And then I want you to ponder the goodness of the body. Um, That if God chose to use a human body to come, then there must be goodness in our bodies. Um, And I think that sitting with that this week is where I want you to be. Um, And then the breath of the Spirit. Um, If you think about um, also in that process of childbirth, um, when the baby is first born, um, they're encouraged to cry because it gets all of this gunk out of their lungs. And, um, And then the crying is what moves the air in and out of the lungs. And... Um, thinking of that, of how the brokenness in us, um, breathing the spirit into us, moves that brokenness out and allows for healing and life. Um, and so I'll close in prayer with you guys. Thank you. Lord, thank you for today. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to be here um, with my church family and to share what you've laid on my heart. Um, I pray for each person in here this week as we 
um, celebrate the birth of your, your son, um, that we would have the opportunity to sit and ponder um, the whole story and to seek um, to seek understanding of you this week in a new way. Um, thank you for the opportunity to um, be in relationship with you and to see new pieces of you and to see your face revealed to us. In your name, amen.